Christ. It's always remarkable to me how our performance in life can be sparked by the proper motivation. Our best performance is most like what most often. Sometimes we're highly motivated to do things, and other times we just aren't. And it can make the difference between for us in, in getting it done or getting it done well or not getting it done at all. Motivations can make the difference between our wanting to do something and not just merely having to do something. Maybe there are those things that we have to do. But if we want to do what we have to do, then that's going to make a difference in how we approach what it is that we have to do. We talked last week about the practical side of faith. And as we did that, you know, there, there's a propensity, there's a possibility that when we think about the practical side, we might be thinking about ourselves and what we do. But we mentioned last week that our Christian faith is, first of all, not about what we do, but what God does. And the good that we gain from believing in this God is, is about what He does, not about what we do. Our faith is, first of all, about our faith in God's grace to us. Yet, while we recognize that the practical side of faith is, first of all, about what God does for us, that doesn't mean that our faith disconnects from the proper motivation to do good ourselves. After all, without faith, we just read, it's impossible to please God. We just have to remember or see what should be the proper motivation for our good work. We need to put our good works in the proper place and see it in proper perspective, and that's what we want to try to do this morning. Because when we do that, we see another element of the practicality of our faith. Not as that which earns us anything before God, but that which is done out of a fruitful faith, out of a grateful heart, like the Catechism says, with fruits of gratitude. So we want to focus our attention this morning on those two elements, about the fact that as, as we put our, our good where it belongs, uh, we recognize that it's not about us earning anything, but it is about being fruitful, gratefully fruitful, as people who have understood uh, what the Christian faith is, is all about. So we want to we focus on those elements as we, as we seek by God's grace to keep our good works in perspective. But let's first of all consider that the good works that we do will not be in the right place and under the right motivation if they are ever seen as earning acts. The Catechism presumes in speaking about the good that we do that such is now possible now that we have faith in God. And previously in line with Scripture, the Catechism would have recognized that such good was impossible because we're slaves to sin apart from grace or apart from faith. And later in the Catechism, in line with, our, with the Scriptures, the Catechism will say that good works arise out of true faith. We're created, like Ephesians says, in Christ Jesus to do good work. And we hear in this passage that we just read that without faith it is impossible to please God. 
So when asking the question about the good that we do and whether it can contribute to our justification, you know, that idea that we are made right with God. So when we're asking the question about the good that we do and whether it can contribute to that or not, the question is not asking so much can a person who has not come to know the blessing of doing good justify himself. That's not the question. Rather, the question is, can a person who has supposedly been blessed with the ability to do good now be able to accomplish his own justification? That's the question. Now, the Roman church would say yes. Their approach would be that the grace that you have received from God is for that very purpose of earning your own way to your justification, or at least to help you get there. Most likely, you'll also need the help of others, but your works given for you to do in grace will help you get to the point of justification. Now, most likely not in this life, but even if it requires time in the halfway house of purgatory after death to get this done, it'll get done by you or you and someone else. But when you take a passage like ours, it starts off with the truth that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We're reminded in such an introduction that our assurance and our conviction when it comes to the hope that we profess is not found in our work. Now that assurance and that conviction is what motivates our work. And you see that going on in Hebrews 11. But that assurance and that conviction and that hope is in God and is Christ who's gone the way before us as an anchor for our souls and not in our work, which is what we just saw sacramentally presented. Our hope is in God and is Christ. Certainly we're able to do good in faith, which we could not do before, but that good can never cover our imperfection. Not before faith, not after faith. Yes, we have a new heart. Yes, we've been given a new life. Yes, we stand before God like we've never sinned and that, that we've done everything perfectly as Christ did. But that's because of Christ. He's the marvelous ground of our justification. In this life, we never have and never did and never will perfectly perform as God would have us perform. We cannot make the motivation for our lives to do good rest on the false premise that somehow the good that we do in faith will somehow be able to pass muster with God, pass God's scrutiny to cover our sins. We remain as those who are sinful. To say we're not is self-deceiving. The truth is not in us, says the Apostle. We live as those who are called to be sanctified, but we're not pure in our goodness that way. We're prepared to do what is good, but even in the good that we do, our motivations aren't always pure. Our zeal for doing them is not always altruistic and selfless. 
And thinking that somehow our goodness will score points with God in securing our justification, maintaining it, or helping us to that point, is not doing us any favors. It enslaves us, and it only adds to that load of inadequacy when it comes to the value of our good works. We are putting, we're not putting them, we're not putting those good works in the right place. And we can all be tempted to take that approach. We've messed up here. So if God sees me doing something good there, well, that should make up for those mess-ups. So then I'm, I'm going to be all right with God again. We're poorly motivated with that kind of an approach. Poorly motivated. We're doing what we're doing for God not really for God. We're doing it for us. We're doing things strictly out of fear of punishment. We're striving to get where we need to get instead of being, like Hebrews would tell us, being convicted and assured that we're already there in Christ. We become slaves to the impossible and to the system. And when you become slaves to the system, you find yourself doing what you're doing, not out of love for God, not out of appreciation for God, but merely because you have to do it. It's your job. It's a living. It pays the bills. Not everybody does what they do for a living because they enjoy it. It's a blessing when you can do it that way. Not everybody does that. They do it because, some people do it because they, it pays the bills. They work for the boss. Because he writes out the paycheck every month. But they don't do it necessarily because they love to do it. And that attitude can show up even in the productivity of the person. Because it can make a big difference if you're doing what you're doing because you love doing it, as opposed to just because you have to do it. Now, good works need to be kept in their proper place, and if they're not, we're going to find ourselves doing what we're doing as good as it may be in and of itself in a way that just saps the joy out of your life. And with a faith that really isn't true. It's not assured. It's not convicted. And in the process, the good that we think we're doing is really not good at all. But some would say that our works do earn us things, both in this life and the life to come. I mean, don't didn't we just read that? Didn't we just read that from Hebrews eleven six that he that God rewards those who seek Him? Don't we reap what we sow? Aren't the consequences to our actions what we earn from the good that we do? Isn't peace and prosperity, order and harmony, part of that wage? On the other hand, do we not reap the whirlwind when we sow the wind and when we keep the right kind of company, will that not be to our advantage when, it, on the other hand, if we're keeping bad company, that's going to corrupt us? Haven't we earned those rewards? Are we not to lay up treasures in heaven with a generous heart and spirit? Are we not told that our reward in heaven will be great when we're reviled in this life for Christ's sake? Are we not told that if we are less inclined to 
receive the praise of men than the Father who sees in secret that he will reward us? No, there's no doubt of relationship between what we do and reward. There is. But is it a matter of earning? Because then a concern arises, doesn't it? If, is what we're doing being done for what we'll earn? Or is it for the glory of the Lord? Because even when the Lord speaks about our behavior, let's say in the Sermon on the Mount, it's always with the thought in mind to do away with personal glorification and to do what we're doing for the sake of God's glorification. That's the motivation. And that's probably why the word reward is used rather than a wage. When people reward, they do it in a gracious manner. Does it have a connection with the good that was done? Of course it does. But rewards are gracious tokens. what they are. I expect to be paid the agreed wage to which I previously agreed when I worked. But, but, but if I return a wallet to someone who lost it, I should have returned it for no other reason but to do the right thing. Now, if somebody rewards me for doing so, well, that's fitting but it's not necessary. If somebody receives a commendation for doing a heroic deed, the person who did the heroic deed knows that he didn't do the heroic deed because he expected a commendation. I'm going to be a hero so that somebody will pat me on the back and give me a medal. That's not why he does it. That wasn't his motivation. He sought to do the right thing. The commendation was fitting, but it was nevertheless a gracious token. We have to be careful here also. Enoch was taken as one commended as having pleased God. We hear commendation a lot here. We must believe that God rewards those who seek Him. We must know that God is not a cheapskate God. He lavishes His grace upon those who fear Him. But that's just it, isn't it? That's the point. He lavishes His grace. The mentality that somehow God owes us something when we're the ones who owe Him everything is absurd. It's idolatry. We're to be motivated not by the obligation of God, but by the grace of God. That's, that's what life's about. Isn't it? we were to take the, the approach that such a faith would make us indifferent and, and wicked, well then, we would just be showing that really, we really don't have faith at all. The, the faith that believes that God created as He did. The faith that caused Abel to worship God rightly. The faith that continues to speak even after a faithful person dies. The faith that speaks from a faithful man who didn't die. With his God-pleasing worship. Those are fruitful faiths. That's really our second point here. Those are grateful faiths. Those are faiths. 
that are grafted into Christ. So they bear their fruit in their proper time. The justification that we receive by grace through faith is never by our works. But the justification that we receive by grace through faith will always motivate us unto work. Even the thief on the cross was not without works before he died. He testified to the grace of God in Christ to his counterpart on the cross. And that's the proper place for our good works. The saved in Christ are never without the sanctifying work of Christ in their lives. Here's the motivation for doing the good. As you get up in the morning every day, We're motivated to do the good because we've known the grace of God. We're motivated to do the good by a grateful spirit. Fruits of gratitude. And what a different approach to life that is, isn't it? I mean, how how different it is, after all, when we're doing what we're doing with gratitude spewing forth from our hearts for what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, rather than doing what we're doing with the hope that what we will do for ourselves will win us favor with God. What a difference. What a difference when such gratitude spearheads my approach to my wife or my children or to your husband or to your wife or your children. Or to your parents. What a difference when gratitude is behind the way in which we take on our homework or our instruction. What a difference when gratitude to God is the motivation behind my desire to live a pure life because I've got the grace of God before me all my days. What a difference in my disposition when I see that life for me is about gratitude because I've known the joy of the Lord's grace in my life. That's what keeps me from being indifferent and apathetic and wicked and thinking that I can just sin all the more so that grace can abound in my life. What a difference that is for us. I mean, if what motivates your life is more about trying to win the Lord over or try to get God to give you what you want rather than a grateful heart of faith for God's grace, then maybe what you need to do is reassess what it is that's making you tick. Maybe you're you're one of those who, who needs to ask yourself, Have I placed my good works in the right place? And are they really good at all? Do I live like someone who has known God's grace? Or am I living like someone who's trying to earn it? Makes a big difference. What motivates your life? What motivates your life? I pray that it's a grateful heart. 
and a fruitful faith. Because like Hebrews would say, you can say with assurance and conviction with faith that God has made me right with Him. Not through my righteousness, but through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Such a motivation can make all the difference for your life and for mine. For our calling is to bring glory to God alone. May that be our motivation all the more, all the time, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's take a moment to respond in prayer, shall we?